three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 354. Welcome in. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I have tea in front of me. I caffeine, So coffee makes me feel awful. Uh, really bad acid reflux. It's not fun. Soda and, you know, like, what's the energy drinks? They're too sugary. But black tea I've found with a little bit of, like, I guess I, I'm a snob. I have uh, oat milk. So oat milk, because I, I don't do dairy. And black tea works very, very well. It is 3.37 in the morning. Uh, I am doing a television production today. I don't want to say what network. It's you know, it's obvious. You can watch it. I'm doing a Portland Timbers game today. Uh, and if you're watching this on Saturday morning, hey, come watch the game. I'm doing work at it. So... Uh, I got to be there at 6.30 in three hours. So we're here. We're recording in the morning. I'm very excited. I do have one. I Just because I, I think some people that listen to the full episode probably like me more than people that watch the breakouts. So for you guys, um, I want to give you some cool news. Uh, and I'm not going to – I'm going to give very little information. But I want to say I've been talking a lot about trying to move, like a lot. And I think I finally found an apartment that is tiny. Like, it's going to be hard to record there, and it's going to be fun to figure out. Um, but it's actually cheaper than where I live, which is like, hallelujah, amazing. Uh, and I, I think uh, I figured it out. So in the next couple months, I'm going to be moving. I'm really excited about that. I'll talk more about that later. But I, I know people have been following the saga. Gosh, dang it, I'm so excited. And uh, I think I figured that out. What is uh, Friday? Because it's Saturday now, so that was yesterday. Um. I want to start today with a story that I, the first two stories on today's show are just uh, stories that made me feel incredibly good when I read them and found them out. Um, so this is an older story, but it's still a really good one. I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers running back, Najee Harris. He's a running back. He was drafted uh, 24th overall out of Alabama in the first round. And here is the statement I want people to hear. It's It's a a sentence that when you say it, you go, what? That's crazy. And that's cool. And I, I love that. And it, I had an emotional reaction when I read the sentence that I'm going to read to you guys next. Najee Harris hosted a draft party at the homeless shelter where he used to live. So that, that's an insane and completely true sentence. Najee Harris hosted a NFL draft party the day of the first round of the NFL draft at the homeless shelter he once used to live. The place is called the Greater Richland Interfaith Program, uh, and Najee Harris lived there with his parents and his four siblings for several years at that homeless shelter. And to me, that's a beautiful story. A guy who, on this massive, life-altering, exciting day, the way he wanted to celebrate was to go back to his roots. And he had a draft party at the homeless shelter where he used to live. He brought food uh, for the people who currently live there. And uh, here's a quote that Najee Harris gave about what happened. Najee Harris said this. There was a time I needed a helping hand. They gave us an opportunity to get back on our feet. So it is my job to give back. Oh, my God. How do you not love that? How do you not love Najee Harris after hearing all that sequence of events? Again, to celebrate in, in that big moment, this life-altering moment, by going back to the place where, in some ways, it all began. I don't know how you can hear that and not like Najee Harris and not like that story. And, uh, look, I... So, whenever I talk about myself uh, in a story, people say, why are you making it about yourself? But I, it's my show. I, it's my job to commentate and tell stories. And this one, I, I chose to lead the show with this story because it had a special meaning to me. Uh, you may or may not know, in high school, my family was homeless for a year, and we lived in an unfinished garage. It wasn't fun. It was cold. It, it was off. It was not a good experience. I don't wish that on anybody, but I, to some degree, have been there. I, my family was homeless for a year. It's it's not fun. It's awful, um, and that was a hard time in my life, and so I, I just, as I look back on my life and I hear what Najee Harris did, I, I want to maybe remind people or kind of share, I, I think, the importance of Remembering where you come from and remembering your roots and where you started. 
when I started the podcast, I used to sleep under my desk in my dorm room. Like literally, like I recorded and, and then I put, I had a mattress underneath my desk that people couldn't see. And I'll never forget those days. Like now I have a whole giant recording studio I record in and it's amazing and it's fun and it's so cool. And so Najee Harris, this story is a prime example of remembering where you come from and not forgetting getting your roots. And uh, the story made me so happy. And then to think about like Najee Harris is going to go from a guy who was homeless at one point in his life to making millions of dollars to play in the NFL. Let's say massive life-altering event uh, that will change his life and his family life, uh, family's life forever. I mean, the, the, the whole Najee Harris's family is forever changed, and I, I just, man, like, ah, oh, it's such a cool story. And the fact that I just have never heard another story about a guy, uh, and they might be out there if they are. If anybody else knows of a story like that where a guy had um, a draft party at a homeless shelter or something like that, let me, I, I love that kind of stuff. That's very, very cool. Now, Here is another cool story, something I completely missed before. I don't know how I missed this, but I did. Uh, The NBA team, the Utah Jazz, pledged to fund a full-ride scholarship, a four-year scholarship for every game they win this year. And that means tuition, you know, books, random little fees, room and board, everything. A complete four-year full-ride scholarship. Uh, and they're giving out one for every game they win this year. That's a massive, life-changing thing. I love getting to cover stories like this where you get to talk about like something cool. It's related to sports, but it's also just like cool and about people. I'm like, ah, it's awesome. And uh, the scholarships are going to Utah high school students from underrepresented groups. And uh, I think it's a cool gesture, man. I, uh, you know, so so far this year, the Utah Jazz have won 55 games. They're now in the NBA playoffs, and uh, the number isn't done. It's going to keep going up, and as they win more games, they're going to give out more scholarships. And I, I, I don't know how I didn't know that was happening all year, uh, but I, I when I found out, I'm like, ah, it's so cool. I, it's, I just really, really love that. Um, and so I think giving kids who you know, maybe need a break or giving kids uh, who deserve it a life-altering opportunity um, I, I love seeing stuff like that. And so I, I want to try to make an effort to tell stories like that on the show a little bit more where every once in a while you want something that is happy and uplifting and feels good. And isn't maybe critical or, um, I, I, I'm not, I don't know. I want to talk about stuff that like that, they're like, that's really cool. I didn't know that. And I, I love that. Uh, and, uh, I, I'm just so happy for the Utah jazz and what they're doing. And, um, I, I think that's going to change some people's lives. And I think that's maybe, um, one of the coolest things going on in sports right now is that quiet little Utah jazz story giving out a scholarship for every game they win, which is a, now a climbing big amount of wins this year. Uh, now, this next story, let me drink some tea first real quick. Mm. Okay. This next story, this is big news, and I know it is because I got a ton of messages all day about it yesterday. The Jacksonville Jaguars have officially signed Tim Tebow to a one-year contract to play tight end. Remember, he's a former quarterback at the University of Florida. He won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, He actually played quarterback briefly for the Denver Broncos, won a playoff game, beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, what a glorious time that was. You know, Tebow time, the fourth quarter. I'll never, there's a a play where he like threw the ball on, I think on a two-point conversion, like, you know, back across the field for the the game-winning score, and I, I just have so many fond memories watching Tim Tebow in the NFL finding a way to somehow win ugly football games. I watched those games with my dad. It was so much fun. And since those days uh, as the Broncos quarterback, he's done a lot. He's worked in TV. He tried a couple other stints uh, in football. He was on the Eagles for a while, the Jets, the Patriots. Uh, he played minor league baseball. Tim Tebow has been all over the place since his run briefly uh, with the Denver Broncos. Kind of the highlight, I think, of his football career other than when, you know, other outside of University of Florida. And before we dive into him signing with Jacksonville and what that means, I want to just pay some respect to Tim Tebow. Uh, growing up, you know, Tom Brady inspired me, Drew Brees inspired me, and Tim Tebow was one of the people that inspired me most when I was growing up. Uh, I told this story before. I think it's worth telling again. There's a documentary on YouTube. It's called Tim Tebow, The Chosen One. And 
Tim's coach was talking about how Tim was self-motivated and you never had to push him. He was the kind of kid you had to pull the reins back on. Like, hey, Tim, uh, you're going a little hard or maybe you don't need to work out for a third time today or maybe you should rest. And he was always the kind of kid where you, you had to make sure Tim was reining it back. You never had to push Tim Tebow. And I love that. I wanted to be that kind of worker, the kind of worker that you never had to tell to go harder. That you always were like, ah, he's a little bit crazy. He's going a little bit too much. And so Tim Tebow's work ethic in many, many ways really inspired me. And that quote from Craig Howard, who, you know, Nice High School, he coached Tim Tebow. He actually coached Southern Oregon over, you know, on, on my side of the country. Uh, he, he since has died. May he rest in peace. But that quote from Craig Howard talking about how Tim Tebow was the kind of guy you had to pull the reins back on. It's been in my head for years, and it, it really, really inspired me a lot. So I, when I talk about Tim Tebow now, I want you to know that his work ethic is why he might succeed. Like, if he's going to do well as a Jaguars tight end way later in his life, after years off of football, if he does succeed, it's because of that work ethic, that legendary work ethic he has. And so I've got a lot of respect for Tim. And I don't want to completely count him out, but man, uh, after work ethic, there's really not another reason you can come up with to believe that Tim Tebow is going to be a successful tight end in the NFL. First of all, he's been out of the game for years. He's 33 years old. And a former teammate of his talked about how when Tim tried to play tight end in the past, he was bad. So basically, an older dude, been out of the game for a long time, tried it before, didn't work. There's not a lot of evidence that points to, you know what, Tim Tebow's going to be fantastic as the Jacksonville Jaguars Starting tight, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if he's going to make the roster. I really don't. Uh, however, I will say, I love it. I, I, oh my gosh, I love it so much. I'm very excited that he's coming back. Uh, it's a good story, and it's good for the NFL. Here, here's the simple question that I think is most encouraging and exciting relating to Tom Brady. It's how is it going to go? I mean, people, myself included, I'm curious. Is it going to work? I don't know. Can Tim play? Can he play tight end? I, I would kind of like that if he could. By the way, Tim Tebow is from Jacksonville. He's playing in the state of Florida where he played college football and was a you know massive star at the University of Florida. And, you know, go Gators, baby. And uh, he's going to sell jerseys and tickets, and it's going to be great for the Jacksonville Jaguars financially to have a local kid who is a college hero come play tight end, I guess. Uh, and it's going to bring a lot of attention to Jacksonville. So again, I love it. I I, I can't wait. I, like when I see Tim Tebow in a Jaguars jersey, ah, it's going to be fun. Now, can he play tight end? Eh, I don't know. Maybe I I it'd be kind of cool if he could. But here's the thing: the Jacksonville Jaguars are trying to rebuild their organization, and they're rebuilding around. A rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, and a first-time NFL head coach, Urban Meyer. And the last thing the Jaguars need, in my opinion, is a circus, a, a bunch of media questions and focus on this potentially backup tight end. I mean, Tim Tebow's not a traditional tight end in the NFL, obviously, but he's not just... If he was like a... a no, for example, uh, Tyree Jackson is playing tight end in Philadelphia. He played quarterback at the University of Buffalo... Kind of failed as a quarterback. Now he's playing tight end. It's like, okay, interesting. You probably didn't even know about that. I think a lot of people are like, who? Because he's not noteworthy. He's not a big deal. He's just a backup tight end that may or may not make the roster and may or may not play. Tim Tebow, good or bad, is going to get a lot of attention. I, I don't know why. You know, There's a common trope where people say, that's a distraction. And I, I actually don't know. I can't come up with a concrete reason like, well... What distracting thing can Team Tebow do that is bad? I, I don't know. But I do know that everyone, it must be a thing, that it it must distract people to have a ton of media members there and to have this circus following Tim Tebow. They certainly are inviting that into Jacksonville. And so it's reasonable to say, well, can he play? And the evidence kind of says he's not going to be good based on he's older, 
didn't work before, been out of the game for years. He's got a good work ethic, but is that enough? A lot of guys work hard. Like that's, And then he's a big distraction for the team, I would imagine. And it feels kind of like the Jaguars, who should be focused on rebuilding their organization. It's possible have brought in a guy who is financially good for their bottom line, but may not be beneficial to them winning. And that feels like the Jaguars of old. The Jaguars who were tanking last year and were not trying to build their organization. So I, I'm i getting confusing mixed messages here, and I don't want to read too much into this, but I, I just want to find out. I'm so curious. Will Tim Tebow, or will he not, succeed as the Jaguars' tenant? I don't know, but I uh, I sure as hell cannot wait to find out. Okay, uh, last story before we go to break. Apparently the Washington football team owner... Washington football team, team owner, because it's the, their name is awful. Uh, Dan Snyder, the owner of that team <laughs> in Washington, is currently apparently on a global tour, uh, looking at all kinds of you know sporting stadiums and trying to get ideas and inspiration. He's traveling the globe on a, what do you call it, a research tour. And so the report is in, I guess that Dan Snyder wants to build a new stadium for the Washington football team. And the the thing I read said, you know, by 2027. I don't know why that date, but it's like he wants to do it soon. And he's looking at building in Washington, D.C. or Virginia or Maryland, which is kind of that all, it's all the same area. It's all a border area. And um, and I know Maryland people are mad. It's not exa- I'm not saying it's the same, but it's all nearby. And I got to say, man, I first saw this news on an Instagram post. And it's amazing. There were two comments that I, I thought I had to share with you guys because like, ah, that's hilarious. So the first one said, um, why is he looking at stadium inspiration? Shouldn't he be getting inspiration for a new team name? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah, fair enough. But the best thing I saw on Instagram, um, <laughs> and I, oh man, I, I feel so bad. I feel like I'm just sharing a joke, but I'm not, I'm not a comedian. So I'm just like saying a joke out loud in a non-funny way. I don't know. But the guy said this. He said, what if the stadium, he said the stadium's going to be called just the stadium. And I'm like, <laughs> the Washington football team plays at the stadium. Like just, I don't know. I, it kind of speaks to, this whole thing made me laugh. And it's funny and true that, you know, the owner's worried about building a stadium when his team doesn't have a team name. And there's all kinds of, you know, bad press we've seen about Dan Snyder in the past that has come out and then since been buried. And I... He's a befuddling owner. I don't understand. Like, he he really wanted to draft Dwayne Haskins. That went horribly because his son played high school football with him. I, Dan Snyder's a weird owner that I can't quite pin down and figure out. Uh, but I guess they're looking at building a stadium. And I maybe that stadium, that stadium may or may not have a name because the team doesn't have a name either. So, I don't know. We'll find out. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break when I return. Uh, Lewis Hamilton. We're going to talk about him, the Formula One driver. We're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I made a prediction, and uh, I might be wrong. We'll talk about that. Uh, I've got two baseball topics, and we have a big NBA topic at the end of the show. My name is Zach Schaumler. We're going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Uh, yesterday, Friday, I had the best day ever. Uh, I got, I'm working for a TV network. So my job yesterday was to, I hung out at a major league soccer stadium. I kicked the ball a bunch, uh, and then shot camera tracking shots of it. Uh, set up cameras. I set up goalposts. I had so much fun and I took my lunch break and I was at the stadiums working on strong opinion sports. And I, gosh, I love my job and I love my life and I love what I do. And I just, um, it's crazy. Like a, it's like a side gig. I got paid to go hang out at a stadium and set up cameras. I, I don't know, man. I just, whatever you're doing, I encourage you to uh, do what you enjoy. And uh, there's this quote I've been really, it's been heavy on my mind and my heart recently. And that's, I don't know if it's a quote or a saying. I don't know. It's something I just tell myself is that it's it's always easier to do nothing. Like I went on my lunch break uh, today, yesterday, and I was like, you know, it's, the days all blend together. I barely sleep. Uh, and, you know, I, I could have gone out to eat. Uh, with all the other people, and I was like, nah, you know, I, I want to work, and it's it'd be easy to go out to lunch and get a slice of pizza and sit on my butt for an hour, and I'm like, but I could also 
you know, instead go sit in the stadium and grind and do an hour of work and research and write for the show. And uh, it made me feel so much better. So I don't know if that helps anybody, but that, that quote, it's always easier to do nothing, but that doesn't mean you should do nothing. Like easy isn't exactly how I would want it. If, if I'm always doing the easy thing, you're never going to do anything, I think, uh, to get ahead in life. I, I just it's very rarely that. The easy road is the, the more productive road. I, I don't know if I'm making any sense. I'm going to move on. I'm going to get into the first topic. Um, I, I don't know. I just that, that quote's been in my mind, and if anyone likes that, please let me know. Um, I want to play a clip from an episode I put out in January. This clip is from a topic called Brooklyn's Messy Big Three Won't Win a Title. It's literally over two minutes long, so hunker down. Take a listen and uh, enjoy the clip. I want to be very, very clear about this messy big three. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. They are not going to win a championship with the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, man. You got an insecure Kevin Durant. You got a head case Kyrie Irving. And James Harden quit on Houston. Now, I know that James Harden wanted out. I When you want out of a team and you're really trying to get yourself traded, you do everything possible. Um, I thought... I don't like making this comparison, but it is. it does remind me of Jamal Adams in, with the Jets. Jamal Adams wanted out of the Jets. He was very comfortable making that very clear. And you got to play dirty sometimes to get out. If you want to force a trade, you got to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So I think some of that was what happened with James Harden. Um, but he also, it's still a weird look. I mean, he came in out of shape. He gave up on his teammates. I don't feel great about what happened with James Harden in Houston. But I'm not going to say it's the end of the world because some of that is just that he, I think, really wanted out and was trying to force a trade. Now, it still doesn't quite feel very good to say, I think that James Harden is the most stable player in that big three. Also kind of weird, we, we've seen, you know, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kevin Durant were all together in OKC, and we've seen all these guys kind of come back together at points in their career. Russ and uh, James Harden didn't work. I don't know how well Kevin Durant and James Harden is going to work. Uh, my really big problem here is egos. I just think the egos, who's going to take the final shot? How are they going to share the ball? It's a, it's a, going to be a mess and a nightmare, and I'm really concerned about it. However, going to be really fun to watch. But again, I want to restate, the Brooklyn Nets are not going to win a championship in the NBA. It's not 2K. Just because they're three great players doesn't mean they're going to be three great players that work together and have cohesion. Even though they're not going to win a championship, the Brooklyn Nets are now interesting. They're going to be exciting and fun, even if it's awful. Even if they're yelling and screaming and fighting, hey, I'll watch that too. I don't care. I think a lot of people, myself included, are going to be tuned in now to the Nets, and that's good for business. Therefore, that's a great move by the Nets organization. So, um, yeah, I, I was really worried about egos. I was really worried about James Harden and Kyrie and Kevin Durant. They were going to clash and... I had no confidence that this big three was going to work. I just was like, these personalities, they don't mesh. And I even thought it had a chance to get really ugly. And the reality is that it hasn't been awful. Uh, it certainly has been a lot of fun to watch. And now the Brooklyn Nets are the number two seed in the Eastern Conference NBA playoffs. They went 48 and 24 in the regular season. And I'm in danger of being horribly, horribly wrong. You know, I... I want to put it out now because they might, maybe they win a championship, and I'm like, oh, I got to live this down forever. I have a video saying they won't do it, and then they do it. That'd be kind of funny. I, I would actually enjoy that just because it's like, it's an example that I'm a, I'm a dude talking about sports who I make predictions, and sometimes I'm very right. Sometimes I'm very wrong. Uh, and I, I do try to go out of my way to always an, announce and acknowledge and talk about when I'm wrong. It'll be interesting, man. I, no matter what happens with the Brooklyn Nets, they've really exceeded my expectations. I think championship or not, I was wrong because I just didn't believe it was going to work. Um, now, I don't know. I don't know if I'm wrong. I, I don't. Man, I thought it'd be fun. And it has been fun if they win a championship. I, I would like that. And I, I'm really curious uh, if they can. I really would. The Brooklyn Nets, that big three. I mean, it, their ownership took a big risk and made uh, some big moves to build this team the way they did. And... Um, Man, I think it'd be funny if they won it all and completely stomped on my prediction. And if the Brooklyn Nets won an NBA title, that'd be pretty, pretty cool. So keep your eye on that. The next couple of weeks, uh, I might have to go 
eat even more crow than I have in the past. Uh, there was big news in Formula One. Mercedes F1 driver, seven-time world champion, Lewis Hamilton came out and called Formula One a billionaire boys club. Uh, and he pointed out that if he were starting his F1 career now, there is no way he could have made it onto the grid, let alone become the seven-time champion that he is. He would not have been able to dominate Formula One the way he already has because he wouldn't have even gotten to drive. And his point, I think, in my, you know, my interpretation of what he's saying is that Formula One is all money-driven, and there's some disregard for the pure sport of racing. It's kind of like when you listen to music or a YouTuber, like any kind of creative or created thing. You, you see this in movies all the time. You watch a movie, and you're like, this sucks. It's, it's here because it's nostalgia or it's you know, member berries or <laughs> or it's, um, you know, oh, action. People are going to like that. But there's no creative intent. There's no passion and love behind it. It's all just financially driven. It's a very analytical rather than passion driven. And Formula One recently has been lacking a little bit of that pure drive to build the sport and, you know, have competitive, amazing racing. And, you know, the result, you know, sacrifices have been made in Formula One. And so I just want to say Lewis Hamilton is not wrong at all. Uh, drivers now just buy their way in. And, and they've always done that to some degree, but it's getting worse and worse. Uh, you know, Nikita Mazepin is an awful driver who got a seat because his dad paid enough money. Like, he is the ultimate example of a guy who got there because of money, who didn't earn it, who's not one of the best drivers. You can, there's no way... Nikita Mazepin is even in the top 50 drivers in the world. That's just not true. Lance Stroll is a solid driver. I think he, he got a podium once. Like, he's not awful. He could be much worse. But he only got in because his dad's a billionaire who bought him a seat and then eventually bought him a team, literally. You know, Lawrence Stroll bought his son Lance Stroll an entire F1 team so his kid could drive. And I, you, you cannot convince me that the Formula One grid is made up of the 20 best drivers in the world. It's just not true. It's, it's factually incorrect. There's good drivers out there who aren't being included in Formula One because they're not marketable enough. Or they don't have money behind them. And there's just a, a bit of integrity for the love of racing that's not present in Formula One. I mean, it's not even close to the most competitive racing event or events in the world like not even uh, IndyCar Indy 500 is like wait I, I guess IndyCar because Indy 500 is just an event IndyCar though is like way has way more parity than Formula it's not even close it's not even close it's embarrassing and I, I get it. it's money and there's no salary cap and they're working on it but right now what Formula One is and I, I love Formula One I think it's amazing it's Amazing high-performance cars and a lot of money and star power. And if you like Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris and Max Verstappen, like, there's good reasons to watch. I'm not saying there's not. I love Formula One. But Lewis is right that it doesn't have the best racers in the world. Uh, there are a ton of amazing drivers who've been excluded because, again, they don't have financial backing behind them. And the problem is that winning is not the main focus for every F1 team. And I mean, like the Haas F1 team, literally Haas, Haas, I don't even care. I hate that name. It's like, I, it's, a, it's a, I'm, I'm American. And I still can't even pronounce the name and it's an American team. I'm an idiot, whatever. Um, winning isn't the main focus of most teams. And, you know, the Haas F1 team literally has come out and said, yeah, no, we're, we're not even trying to win. Like <laughs> we're, we're preparing for next year, but it's pretty clear. Like Gunter Steiner, I, I love their team principal is had to scramble and do whatever he could to keep the team afloat so he could pay his employees and not to lay people off and shut down the team. You know, when you have teams that are there worried about survival rather than winning, it's a problem. And Formula One right now, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be too critical, but it's just that that quote came out and I had a lot of people asking me to talk about it. And Lewis is totally right. There's not much more to say than that. It's yeah, he's right. I want to shift gears to baseball. I don't talk about baseball very much. And there's a reason for that. Here, here's why. Um, we need to talk about something that makes me just despise 
Major League Baseball. And to be clear, I separate baseball from Major League Baseball because the sport is amazing. I, I watch wiffle ball. I, I'm not even kidding. I watch wiffle ball YouTube videos. all. I, like, I know that's, that's a derision of baseball, but I love the sport of baseball. I love the rules. I love how it works. But in Major League Baseball, oh, my gosh, I hate the unwritten rules of Major League Baseball. And there's a lot to unpack here. Um, so this first really became deeply meaningful and important to me when last year Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a grand slam, uh, which, by the way, a grand slam, it's, it's a four-run home run. It's like this incredible, special, should-be-an-exciting moment. He had a grand slam and was made to apologize for it, which I, ugh, and I got a lot to say about that too. It drove me nuts. And so he had a grand slam up, you know, his team was winning by seven runs in the eighth inning. It was a 3-0 count, meaning there were three balls, no strikes. And I guess according to the unwritten rules, three balls, no strikes, up seven runs late in the game. The unwritten rules say you're not supposed to swing. In that scenario, you're supposed to take a strike right down the middle and let the pitcher have one. Well, he did swing and he hit a grand slam, which should be celebrated. That's an amazing accomplishment. That's really, really cool. Um, But he had to apologize because apparently it's rude to embarrass a pitcher uh, on the other team. You can't you can't succeed because it might embarrass the other team. That's so dumb. And I I saw I think CeCe Sabathia said something like, well, if you don't want someone to, if you don't want to throw, if you're worried about a 3-0 count, just throw strikes. Don't like, don't get in that position in the first place. Like, I, I really, really hate how we grovel and make excuses for people who aren't doing good at their job. Like, what? What, what, what do you mean? Like, have a do better. So this is dumb, but there's more. Uh, so Fernando Tatis literally had to apologize for hitting a grand slam, which... By the way, his home run, that made him the league leader in home runs by doing that. Again, that's a moment you should celebrate, not criticize. But then in May, this month, May 2021, the White Sox are up 15-4, to beating the Minnesota Twins in the top of the ninth inning. The game is over. You're up 15. It's, it's an 11-run lead. The Twins literally care so little about the game. They put a position player on the mound, a guy who normally plays catcher, first base, or third base, who... Does not pitch. He's a position player. They put that guy on the mound pitching. And the White Sox had a home run off this guy. Uh, Late in the game, 3-0 count with a huge lead. Up 11 runs uh, in the top of the ninth inning, 3-0 count. And his manager, Tony La Russa, came out. The White Sox manager came out and said that, what a grave mistake his own player had made by hitting a home run in a baseball game. And it's dramatic, it's annoying. And my problem here, well, there's multiple problems. Number one, if you want to make a rule, then put it in the rule book. And if you don't feel strongly enough about a rule to put it in a rule book, then let's not talk about it. If it's not an actual rule, I don't ever want to hear about it ever again. I don't care. I, I, if it's, if, Is it in the rule book? Oh, it's not? Then go ahead. And I, by the way, I was the kind of guy on the basketball court. I'm like, I'll do any, I'll elbow you. I'll do anything to get ahead because I want to win. And it's okay to want to win. It's okay to want to succeed. Then I, I hate unspoken rules. They feel manipulative and they feel weird. And there's a reason you're not making it real. Because if you, if you really made a rule that said in Major League Baseball, if you're up, you know, by a lot late in the game on a 3-0 count, you wouldn't make that a rule because it's ridiculous. If you had to put it in writing, you'd go... Okay, now that we've written it out, this is really dumb. But if it's really dumb, why are we obeying it? Why is anyone trying to enforce a rule that's bad and stupid? I hate that stuff. And if it was really that big a deal, you would make it an official rule. Oh my goodness, I've always wanted to say that about baseball. It drives me nuts. So point number one, if it's really a big deal, make it a real rule. Now point number two, you can't discourage people from doing well. Like, you realize the way that Major League Baseball players are paid and the way they negotiate contracts depends on their statistics, their numbers, how many home runs they hit, their their batting percentage, the amount of hits they have. You know, they get paid millions of dollars to do well when they're in the batter's box batting. And in fact, if a batter is bad, 
they don't make as much money in the future. So basically, anytime you get an at-bat, especially against the guy who sucks at batting, I mean, look, when you're doing a contract two years from now, no one's going to look back and say, well, one of those home runs was off a position player. No, no one's going to care. They're going to be like, well, he had 13 home runs that year. They had this amount of home runs. It's going to, we don't care. Baseball doesn't care. They care about the numbers. And so anytime you get an opportunity to help your numbers in baseball, you're incentivized literally with millions of dollars to do well. And again, if you break an unwritten rule and hit a home run, that's good. No one's going to care two years from now, and that's what you're paid to do. Players are incentivized to do well with money. And if you do you want them to not hit a home run if they're given the option to hit a home run? <laughs> like, what are we doing? Why is this a debate? And I, I know that what I'm saying is probably very popular. But the fact that anybody has this thought process and thinks that I'm wrong is weird to me. I don't, I don't understand. Like, what is Tony La Russa thinking? What are these people who support the unwritten rules of baseball thinking? It's crazy to me. So then we go to point number three. And, uh, you know, people say it's disrespectful. The reason why the unwritten rules are where they are is because you want to be a sportsman and have class and be respectful. And I get all that. Although I will say people overuse the word disrespectful all the time. Like, is hitting a home is hitting a home run off a pitcher who's not doing his job very well? Is that really disrespectful, or is that the other guy's bad at his job? And where's the line? Like, I just is it disrespectful to run up the score? Here's a very simple answer: If you don't want a batter to hit a home run, then do a better job pitching. Do you understand? Like, what? We're, we're having sympathy for people who bat at their job and getting home runs hit off of them? It's natural competition. It's me versus you. There's a... Man, I uh, I don't know. And if you can't handle losing, if you throw... If every time someone hits a home run off of you, you get so angry you want to hit the next batter, you you have no emotional maturity at all. Like, it's really sad. It's weird to me. And after both of those home runs, the Fernando Tatis home run, the... Uh, a couple days ago, the home run by the White Sox. The pitchers threw a batters following those events because, you know, you got to defend the honor. And it's so wrong. And I just, man, if you don't like losing, then you got to do better. Don't make excuses and talk about unwritten rules. I, I hate that crap in baseball. I, and I love baseball. It's an amazing sport. But Major League Baseball, the league and the sport have diverged to a point where I love the sport. I hate the league. Hate's a strong word. I, I really struggle with Major League Baseball where I'm like, it's got these stupid, archaic customs that just don't, they, they seem to discourage competition. If a guy gives you an inch and you hit a home run, that's a good, it's never a bad thing. You never discourage a guy hitting a home run. Ever. Ever. I don't care what the situation is. And it, it irritates me to know it. I, I used to love Major League Baseball. I watched the game every single day with my grandpa. And I miss that feeling of loving Major League Baseball. But now I feel like anytime I pay attention to baseball or watch baseball, I feel like I run into nonsense. And it's heartbreaking. I feel like, I'm, you know when you have a friend that you, you love them? But your interests diverge, and you go different paths in life, and you kind of grow apart. And, like, you, you miss that person, but no, even if you hang out with that person now, it's not going to be the same as it used to be because they've changed and you've changed. That's how I feel about Major League Baseball. Like, I, it's, it's not what I want it to be. And I, I'm a different person, and I don't stand for nonsense and tolerating bull crap. I just can't. I can't do it. I, I can't do the unwritten rules. I can't do a lot of the weird Stuff that you can't celebrate, you can't enjoy a home run. I hate that stuff. And to me, I got a lot of entertainment options available to me. I would rather watch wiffle league, like wiffle ball leagues, the the American Wiffle Association. That's fun. My friends do it up in north, north of Seattle. It's really fun. I enjoy it so much, and it's fun. It's not. It's not a drag. There's no discouraging home runs. There's no weird rules that. Aren't actually in the rule book because if it was in the rule book, it'd be embarrassing. And that, that to me, that that's my frustration with Major League Baseball. Now, how about a good thing? How about a, uh, I want to say something positive about Major League Baseball? 
I, I think it's possible, especially with the audience of this show and this podcast, which is mainly football, some racing fans, because I like I got a weird people love football and Formula One. It's a weird group of humans that follow this show, like very opposite people that somehow come together. Got a lot of Europeans that listen to this show too. Germany, what's up? Okay, um, now, so if you don't know a lot about baseball, you might not know about this. I want to tell you about Shuhei, sorry, Shohei. Shuhei, I knew a guy named Shuhei who spelled his name exactly like Shohei Otani spells his name. I knew him as Shuhei. He went by that all through elementary school. But this guy's name is Shohei, Shohei Otani. Uh, he is currently dominating two very, very different parts of baseball, pitching and batting. And he plays on an American League team, the LA Angels. And uh, in the American League, pitchers do not have to bat. Because pitchers historically are bad at batting. In the National League, they have to bat, and it's kind of just a wasted at bat almost every game. Now, you occasionally get a pitcher who hits something or a home run or whatever, but in the American League, you don't have pitchers bat. You have designated hitters who are better at batting. And usually they're like an old dude who can't run very well, but he can still hit for power or something. Like, there's a reason why you're a designated hitter and you're not playing second base. It's because you probably have a division in skill, but you can still hit a baseball. And pitchers, traditionally, partially because, you know, if you're a pitcher, you're so specialized and you're so focused on this one thing. You're always training for pitching. You ain't training for batting and hitting home runs and stuff. So, um, you know, designated hitters were created because pitchers were bad at hitting. Well, Shohei Otani is good at both. He's good at batting and good at pitching. It's a, it's a rare skill set that we haven't seen in like 100 I mean, years and years and years. There's not been another guy like Shohei Otani, who is, I think he's going to be an MLB all-star. Uh, you know, he's a unicorn. It's something you just don't, I, I don't, I occasionally say like, you literally don't see it. I mean, no, you literally, it doesn't happen. Have you ever seen a unicorn? I mean, a horse with a giant horn sticking out of its head has like, I don't know, like rainbow farts. You haven't, you've never seen that in your life. You've never seen anybody like Shohei Otani until now. He's a unicorn that farts rainbows. You don't see it. It doesn't happen. I can't believe I said that on my show, but it's true. Because I had to think of something you've never seen before. I, I guarantee you've never seen a unicorn that farts rainbows, and you've never seen anything like Shohei Otani before. He's tied for first in Major League Baseball in home runs. Uh, he's a starting pitcher who also bats, and then when he's not pitching, he still bats in the lineup. That doesn't happen. <laughs> Max Scherzer ain't batting when he's not pitching. In fact, he ain't batting at all. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't happen. And so it's worth mentioning. I, I think it's a very, very cool thing. It's easily the best thing happening in Major League Baseball right now. And uh, if you aren't aware of Shohei Otani, again, he is a unicorn farting rainbows. It's an incredible thing you'll never see again in your lifetime. And uh, I, I encourage you, man, go watch it. Go watch Shohei Otani play baseball one time. It's really fun. It's really exciting. It's really interesting. Uh, and, and I will say, because I, why not, right? Uh, the LA Angels are so bad. They have Mike Trout, a generational, like, Hall of Fame player, and this guy Shohei Otani hitting home runs and pitching. And they still have a horrible losing record. They're 19 and 26. The, the, oh, the Angels, man. It's sad. But that's what's going on in baseball. If you don't know about that, it's really, really cool. I'm going to end the show. I've got one more topic left. I'm going to drink some tea real quick, and we'll end the show with a, a fun basketball topic. So if you ask me, this week the NBA gave us a gift, like a wonderful present of joy and happiness. Uh, play in basketball games, meaning that it's a short tournament, giving teams a way to earn their way into the NBA playoffs, the seventh and eighth seed in the playoffs. And I loved it. Uh, I have seen criticism of it, and I, I don't understand the criticism. I think it's cool they made this happen. For example, on Wednesday, uh, LeBron James played Steph Curry. The, the Golden State Warriors played the LA Lakers, and it had a meaningful game that without a play-in game, we wouldn't have got that any other way. There was no other path where the Warriors would have ended up playing the Lakers in the future. But because of a play-in game, we got it. We got Curry versus LeBron. It was really fun. I don't get the hate. I don't. When the NBA says, here, you want more basketball? You want fun entertainment? You want good stuff to watch? 
You want Jason Tatum dropping 50? You want John Morant going off in the fourth quarter? I say, yeah, I'll take that because that's fun. I enjoy sports. I enjoy watching good stuff. I cannot believe anybody complained about the NBA play-on games. Now, play-in games, not play-on games. My one critique is this. Uh, It's so new, this play-in game system, that they appear like they're not sure what to do with the statistics and the numbers. Uh, so any any numbers you put up in a play-in game, they don't count as a regular season statistic, and they don't count as a playoff statistic. And I don't know why they don't also count towards the postseason. Because a play-in game is a playoff game, where if you lose, you go home. That's a playoff game to me. And I watched Jason Tatum drop 50 points on Tuesday, and I thought, that should count for something. Like, that, that, that's a pretty impressive performance that it's very disappointing ain't going in the record books anywhere. So I, I love the NBA play-in games. I want to recap what happened uh, very, like, newsy and journalist style where I don't really – not a lot of opinions, just, like, reading and kind of telling you what happened. So first of all, on Tuesday, the Celtics beat the Washington Wizards 118-100. to 100. It was a blowout. Uh, the final – you know, Jason Tatum, I mentioned he already – that he had 50 points – and uh, you know Boston had a massive lead at the end, but by winning Boston and the Celt- you know the Boston Celtics secured the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Also on Tuesday, the Indiana Pacers annihilated the Hornets, one forty-four to one seventeen. So the Pacers stayed alive uh, and you know kept themselves in the hunt for a shot at the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Now Wednesday. The Grizzlies beat the Spurs. It was a really fun game. Tell about the final minute. About In the final minute, uh, the Grizzlies pulled away, and they had like an eight-point lead at one point. But the Grizzlies beat the Spurs on Wednesday 100-96. to It was a blast. A great game. Uh, and the win gave the Grizzlies a shot at the eighth seed in the West. Uh, also on Wednesday, I talked about this earlier, LeBron versus Steph Curry. The Lakers beat the Warriors 103-100. to uh, The Lakers were not good. In the first half, they were losing badly. Actually, at halftime, uh, LeBron was like one for seven with two points. It was it was not a good performance in the first half for anybody on the Lakers. But at the end of the game, LeBron hit a big shot, a three pointer with about a minute left that ended up being the game winning shot uh, to give them the lead and win one hundred three to one hundred. That gave the Lakers uh, they locked down the seventh seed in the Western Conference playoff picture. Thursday, the Wizards beat the Pacers 142 to 115, another blowout. Uh, the Wizards landed the eighth seed in the East. And finally, on Friday, the Grizzlies beat the Warriors. This was a fun game. Went to overtime. Uh, John Morant was awesome in overtime and the fourth quarter. Uh, the Warriors got eliminated, and the Grizzlies moved on uh, to get the eighth seed in the West. The, the, the Grizzlies won 117 to 112 in overtime. Uh, after the loss, you know, the, the Warriors got eliminated. After the loss, Clay Thompson, who's injured and hurt and been out, you know, for so like two years, it's been a long time since I've seen Clay Thompson play basketball. Uh, and he came out and said, "Man, you know, the Warriors are not done." And I saw a picture going around of Draymond Green and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, like we're coming back. And Clay Thompson said on his Instagram story that the best basketball for him is still ahead. He wants to come back and play great, and he. He hates watching basketball. He wants to play. He's getting really tired of watching for a long time. He's ready to come back and make an impact for the Warriors and play with Steph Curry again. So as, I, as we look ahead to the NBA playoffs, we have uh, in the Eastern Conference, the number one seed, Philadelphia 76ers playing the number eight seed, Washington Wizards, the number two seed, Brooklyn Nets. Oh, the big three, KD, Kyrie Irving, James Harden playing the Boston Celtics, the seventh seed. So that's New York versus Boston. That'll be fun because New York versus Boston is always entertaining. The three-seed Milwaukee Bucks will play the number six-seed Miami Heat. And the fourth-seed New York Knicks. Hey, the Knicks are back in the playoffs. That's amazing and really, really cool. They will play the number five-seed Atlanta Hawks. In the Western Conference playoff picture, you have the number one-seed Utah Jazz playing the number eight-seed Memphis Grizzlies. You have the number two-seed Phoenix Suns playing the number seven seed LA Lakers, the number three seed Denver Nuggets playing the number six seed Portland Trailblazers, and the number four seed LA Clippers playing the number five seed Dallas Mavericks. Got a couple questions going into the NBA playoffs. You have, 
first of all, can the Brooklyn Nets win it all? I predicted they would not. Uh, I would have a great time uh, being wrong about that and getting my, my predictions stomped all over. Uh, the big three, KD, you know, Kyrie, and James Harden. Can they win a championship? That'd be kind of cool. Am I the only person concerned about the LA Lakers? Their performance was awful against Golden State. It was not like a, a, a confidence-inspiring performance. They did win in the end, but they beat a bad Warriors team and really struggled along the way. I didn't go, oh, wow, yeah. Lakers, they're going to repeat. I was like, ooh, this ain't good. Now, I want to also say that, uh, first of all, I'm excited to watch Giannis and the Bucks. I Every year I go, is this the year Giannis can help propel his team beyond where they you know, they kind of top out every year? Can he, can he get them farther? And then I got to say, man, seeing the Phoenix Suns, the second seed in the West, and the New York Knicks, the fourth seed in the East, it's been a while for the Suns and the Knicks, and I, uh, I'm so excited to see them back in the NBA playoffs. And uh, that's all I have, guys. I, I love you. Oh, we got to end the show with a tradition. It's 4.29 a.m. I'm, I'm sure there's no breaking news, but for the sake of the second time doing a tradition in a row, let's check my phone and make sure there's no breaking news as I record. Um, I see uh, the city department uh, in Oahu is looking for ways to crack down on monster homes. You don't care about that. Let's look up sports news. We have uh, uh, nothing new. There's nothing because, again, it's 430 on the West Coast. No one's awake. I'm the only person who's crazy enough to be like, hey, guys, what's up? Um, and uh, I love you. I appreciate I hope you have a great day. Um, I am doing a hockey podcast on Sunday, which is out of my depth and fun. I got two hockey experts coming in. That'll be fun. Uh, I've got a massive interview on Monday, like a massive, I was talking to the guys on set today, uh, and they were like, you're interviewing that guy. Holy bleep. Like they were like, that's a, that's cool. And I, one, one of my favorite people in, uh, the sports world's coming on the show, uh, Monday, got a whole episode, talk about the Monaco Grand Prix coming up, got, you know, Predictions versus reality. More of that's coming out. Uh, ask Zach. I love you. I appreciate you. Good stuff is ahead in the coming days. And I uh, hope you have a great day. And remember, it's always easier to do nothing. I don't know where I'm going with that yet, but I, I, I know that I don't want to take the easy way out anytime. I want to, I want to pick the harder route. Uh, if it, Because I usually – I don't know where I'm going with that. Because all I know is for me, for some reason, that challenge of it's easier to do nothing – that works. I don't know why, but that motivates me more than anything. I love you. Appreciate you. Have a great day. But um, bum, bam, we are done.